Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Welcome to Literary Quest. We are going to be discussing House of Earth and Blood by Sarah J. Mass. It is the first in the Crescent City series. So the second one just came out. And so we figured it'd be a great time to do this. Well, this isn't an After Dark episode, there's some discussion about kind of some darker themes, uh, suicide, stuff like that. So just- Drugs. Um, drugs, yep. All that sort of stuff. So just, you know, kind of trigger warning there. It's not an After Dark episode, but we'll be talking about Monitor some darker yourself. themes. Yeah. Okay, so I will be doing the characters this week um, and the Mercer will do our plot, so. I'm going to start off with Bryce Quinlan. She's the main female lead. She's half fae and half human. She's the bastard daughter of the Autumn King. She is known for being a party girl, but that's just a persona that she puts on. She works for Jessica Roga, who is a strong witch and known for turning people into animals and is also an antiquities dealer. Bryce works with the fire sprite, Wuhaba, who is tasked with protecting the pre- precious books housed in Jessica's collection. She also has a few powerful friends, including Fury Axar, a well-known assassin, and Juniper Andromeda, a very accomplished dancer. She also has a chimera named Syrix. Bryce is described as having fey ears and red hair. Next, we have Danica Fendir. Uh, She's Bryce's best friend. She's a wolf shifter and very powerful. She's slated to become the next prime and is the alpha of the pack of devils. She's rebellious and has a troubled relationship with her mother, Sabine, who is jealous of her and um, power hungry. Danica likes to party and enjoy her time until she will eventually become the prime of all the wolves. Next, we have Hunt Athelar, a fallen angel who is also known as Umbra Mortis or the Shadow of Death. He was part of a rebellion against the Republic, which failed and resulted in the death of his lover, Shahar, and his enslavement. He is currently owned by Micah Domitus, an archangel and current governor of Lunathion. Lunathion. Just going to go with that. He has a deal with Micah that he will gain his freedom after he kills the same number of people that died in a battle in the rebellion, over 2,000. He works closely with fellow fallen rebels, including an angel Isaiah and a wraith Victoria. He was previously owned by his lover's twin sister, Sandriel, and her second Pollux, who are vicious and he was tortured brutally. He has the power of lightning, which is very rare. He is described as having gray wings, having a slave tattoo on the inside of his wrist, and a black thorn halo on his forehead, which is used to dampen his power. Next, we have Rune Danan, the crown prince of the Valbaran Fae. He is also Bryce's half-brother, but they had a falling out several years before the start of the book. He is starborn and in a Val- Valon Fae, which means he can command light and and control shadows. On top of that, he was able to pull the star sword out of a rock, marking him as the chosen one. He does not have a good relationship with his father, the Autumn King, 
who is pushing him to marry the queen of witches, Hypaxia. He is good friends with fellow Fae, Tristan Flynn, and Declan Emmett. For our locations, the book takes place in a world called Midgard, and more specifically, a city called Lunathian, also known as Crescent City. A little more detail into this like lore in the world. So there are four houses of Midgard. There's the House of Earth and Blood, which includes shifters, humans, and witches. The House of Sky and Breath, which includes angels, fae, elementals, and sprites. There's also the House of Many Waters, which includes river spirits, myrrh, water beasts, nymphs, and kelpies. And finally, the House of Flame and Shadow, which includes demons, reapers, wraiths, vampires, and necromancers. Okay, now would you like to move on to the plot? Okay, so our story opens with our main character, Bryce, working at Griffin Antiquities when her best friend, Danica, Alpha of the Pack of Devils, turns up and uses the facilities to prepare for a meeting regarding Philip Briggs, a human rebel, who has been imprisoned after planning a terrorist attack in Crescent City. Danica and her pack were responsible for busting him, but when Bryce returns to her and Danica's apartment that night to find Danica and the pack hanging out, she learns that Briggs was released on a technicality and Danica is really upset. Bryce leaves to go on a date with a human named Reed, but when he shows up, super late and is dismissive of Bryce. She breaks up with him, fails on the date, and meets up with her other good friends, June and Fury, for a night of dancing and recreational drug use at a local club. Danica texts Bryce the whole time, and she's super jealous that Bryce is out partying without her, which is nothing new for them. They, they party hard, and they have lots of fun like the week before Danica got Bryce super drunk and took her out to get a big tattoo on her back. Like they, they always have each other's backs, but they party super hard. And so Bryce eventually stumbles her way back home. But when she arrives, she cannot believe what she sees. Her best friend and the pack of devils have been murdered. Their bodies torn into pieces. And so Bryce, realizes that the culprit has left and they must have just left. And so she runs out of her building with the table leg as a weapon with the public screams of horror guiding her in the direction of the culprit. And so she comes across a horrific demon in an alley attacking an angel and she fights it off. It gashes her leg open, but she keeps fighting and manages to call emergency services. Help arrives and another angel staples her leg back together as a quick fix. She's taken to be questioned by Crescent City's like police department basically, and she is in shock. She's eventually released from their hold when Prince Rune Danan arrives claiming that she is under jurisdiction of the Fae. Two very difficult years pass. Bryce has managed to cobble her life back together. So she, she still grieves the loss of, loss of her best friend and her best friend's pack intensely. She is approached by two angels, Hunt and Isaiah from the 33rd unit of Crescent City, again, like their police department. 
with Micah, the archangel that governs their territory. Another murder has occurred in the same style as how Danica and the pack were killed. The victim, Maximus Persian, was acquainted with Bryce, and Micah wants her help, wants her to help the 33rd solve the murder before the summit, which is a big meeting between the peoples of the region that takes place. Hunt Athelar, fallen angel and slave, serves as Micah's assassin. His punishment and enslavement will end when he's made up for the deaths of over 2,000 soldiers that were killed the day he led a rebellion under the archangel and his dead lover, Shahar, to overthrow the Asteri and the angels. And so the Asteri are like their governing body who support things like slavery and mistreatment of humans and other lesser non-supernatural or mixed-blooded people. And so Micah gives Hunt the opportunity to commute his sentence if he can get this case solved quickly without bringing the murder, the murders to the attention of Sandriel, a fellow archangel and Hunt's former owner. And so Hunt is to serve as Bryce's bodyguard and keep her on task, basically. And Hunt, in typical bossy, broody fashion, demands that Bryce make a suspect list and account for Danica's whereabouts leading up to her death. And Bryce doesn't really appreciate being told what to do. And so unsurprisingly, they clash a lot. Meanwhile, across town, Rune Danan, son of the Autumn King and a Fae Prince, is tasked by the Fae King, his dad, with finding Luna's horn, which is a Fae artifact that was stolen two years ago, shortly before Danica's death. The horn was damaged a very, very long time ago and is no longer functional. It was in the past functional and super powerful, but not anymore. But the king still wants the relic returned. And so Rune begins the hunt. To the rest of the world, Bryce and Rune are cousins. But the long kept secret is that she is his sister, bastard daughter of the Autumn King. And she tried to get close to him when she was a teenager, but they had a big fight and it caused a major rift. However, Rune can be useful. And so Bryce turns up at his home to find out if he's heard anything about the Viper Queen, whose district is where Maximus Persian was killed. Bryce and Hunt end up meeting with the Viper Queen through some clever finagling on Bryce's part. And Bryce learns that the Viper Queen and Danica had a working relationship, but she doesn't really learn a whole lot else about the murder that they're actively investigating. And so Rune asks Hunt and Bryce to meet him at Luna's temple, where the horn was kept until it was stolen, and they come to an agreement that works for them both. In exchange for Rune having access to the archives in the library between beneath Griffin Antiquities, Bryce gets to use Rune's tech resources via his friend Declan. And so another murder occurs and Bryce relives the trauma of Danica's death and goes to the White Raven, a club that she used to frequent to meet with her friend Juniper. She's just very overwhelmed. And so she orders a drink and Hunt finds her and he believes that she is still a party girl when the, the party girl that he met two years ago after Danica's death. 
but he discovers that she's just drinking water. She hasn't had alcohol in two years and the party girl persona is just a facade. While at the Raven, the club is bombed. Our friends are all right, but it kind of seems like they're being targeted. The investigation progresses and eventually Hunt moves into Bryce's apartment to get it to keep her safe or to better keep her safe. And they start becoming more comfortable with each other. And they eventually settle into sort of a friendship where they realize that their, their trauma and their grief is different. They really aren't that different from each other. Eventually, they go to the Moonwood, where the wolves live, to question Danica's mother, Sabine. And Bryce is met with a lot of hate from the wolf pack there, especially their alpha, Amelie. This is nothing new as the wolves seem to have a lot of misplaced anger towards Bryce, but it still hurts her. Sabine lies to Bryce and, Bryce and Hunt about Danica, and they suspect that she may be responsible for murdering Danica and the wolf pack. Sabine is super hateful, and she also demands back Danica's sword, which disappeared the night that she died. That night, Bryce and Hunt are attacked by a Crystallos demon, which is the demon that they believe is responsible for the murders. It bites Hunt and he is unable to use his lightning to fight back. It seems this demon's venom disables the power of supernatural creatures. The demon is killed and Hunt is healed. He flies himself and Bryce back to her building and they share a moment of overwhelming attraction to each other but are interrupted by Sabine who is super pissed off and shocked when they accuse her of killing Danica. She reveals that Danica is the one that actually stole Luna's horn and Sabine has been covering for her to try to save her legacy. This secret hits Bryce super hard but she tries to make sense of Danica's actions. Also, Danica's birthday arrives and Bryce moves through the day in a fog. That evening, she goes to sit by the river with a box of Danica's favorite pastries and Hunt joins her. She explains her sense of grief and loss and Hunt empathizes completely. And so she opens the box of pastries and finds that someone has written the word trash across them. And she is just so sad. And so Hunt, in a fury, confronts Amelie, the Wolfpack Alpha, who is responsible for this and who has hated Bryce since the death of the pack because Connor, Danica's second, liked Bray, Bryce and wouldn't date Amelie because of that. And so because of Hunt's confrontation with her, Sabine demands retribution. And so his punishment is that Micah cuts his wings off. It's awful. There's blood spurting. It's, it's truly terrible. And so his friends take Hunt back to Bryce's apartment where she cares for him. And she has Rune come and stay with him while she's at work the next day. While working, Bryce discovers that Danica had left her breadcrumbs for something bigger. Redner Industries was running clinical trials on a drug called Synth, which is supposed to heal or to speed human healing. And Danica worked doing like security for this company on the side. Well, Bryce discovers a flash drive that Danica had sewn into her leather jacket, which contains videos of the trials. The videos show a woman who's been dosed with the synth placed in a room 
with two shifter males and she just rips them to shreds. And more shifters are placed in the room and she just keeps destroying them before finally ripping herself apart. Synth gives humans super strength, but for people with supernatural abilities in high doses, it causes them to destroy themselves. And this is exactly how Bryce found the bodies of Danica, the pack, and all of the murder victims up to this point in pieces, which means that the synth is somehow involved and that the Crystallis demon is not actually what killed them. This is huge because the synth has also been making its way onto the streets for the last few years and the implications are major. A drug like this could benefit the humans who are working in the rebellion movement against the supernaturals and the angels. And not only that, but it also turns out that something like this could possibly repair Luna's horn which means that the horn could be used to rain down a lot of destruction. And so Bryce goes home that night and shows Hunt what she's found. And that night, Bryce sneaks out to build a whole, her old apartment that she shared with Danica. But when she arrives, the building is actively on fire, which is suspicious. While out, she gets a text from Therion, who is the captain of intelligence for the River Queen, that a deal for a ton of cents is about to go down on the river, courtesy of the Viper Queen. And so Bryce and Therion buy on the deal, but Bryce is absolutely devastated when she discovers who the buyer is. And I'm gonna stop there. The last 200 pages of this book are like just one big spoiler after the other. So if you haven't read it, like buckle in for the last 200 pages. I'm gonna stop here. This is your spoiler warning. So was this a second read for you? It was a second read for me, but okay. boy, did I forget like everything. <laughs> also same. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I can, I was reading it and I was like, uh, how does this end? <laughs> I couldn't remember. <laughs> I, I got couldn't, worried. <laughs> I could not remember how, who killed Danica. Yeah, I, I can't like, remember what happened with that either. I was like, wait, did she know that she was going to die? Uh-huh. Or I completely forgot about the whole, like, where the horn was hidden and everything. Totally forgot about that. I like, remember it was... that. Yeah, I just couldn't remember. So a lot of, like, what happened with Danica's death, basically a lot of the stuff that, that happened um, for Micah's confession onward, I was like, um, yeah, I don't know. So, yep, I, I forgot probably like 80% of what happened in this book. Mm -hmm. I read it so long ago and it was just so much information, especially at the beginning of that massive info dump yes. that happened. Yeah. I mean, I just read it in like September, but it's still, it's a, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's just a lot of information in one book. It took me three attempts to really get into this book for my first read like the info dump at the beginning is so overwhelming she introduces a billion new characters a whole world in like 30 pages and I was like I cannot do this right now I felt like I needed a chart and a map and I it was just too much so it took me three tries before I finally like dug down and it was when we went to St. Lucia that I was like okay <laughs> 
I have the time and the mental fortitude to do this now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I read it, I think like a month, no, just a couple weeks after it came out. I think I read it a couple weeks after it came out, but I also had just like, I started and stopped a bunch, like, and I had to go back and reread because I was, who are all these people? Who are all you people? And then you find out by by the time you get to chapter five, it's like, well, it doesn't matter because they're all dead. I was I remember my first read on it. I put the book down because I was like, I just figured out who all of these people were, <laughs> and now they're all dead. Now they are all dead. It's so and rude. <laughs> it, and it doesn't matter who they were. Like, uh. yeah. You put all this effort in and then you're just gonna kill everybody. It's rude. Mm-hmm. It's very rude. I feel like this is the first time I've read a book where this has happened. Like you introduce this, all of these characters and then you kill them off all at once. Yeah, I don't How think- How dare you make me care about these people? <laughs> I know. Well, especially because like you spend a decent amount of time like getting to know them, right? So it's not just yeah. like, oh, um, you know, brief introduction to these people. It happens like, I don't know, you're like a hundred pages or so into the book. And then all, they're all gone after getting to know these people. And it's like, are you kidding me? Why? Yes. It reminds me of um, the who hurt you and why was it Sarah? <laughs> it's so true though. And I feel like because of the way that this book is introduced, that makes it very different from her other series. So in Corona Glass, and in Akatar, like she eases you into the world. Mm -hmm. Like the world building starts immediately, but it's not like this is the world, this is the houses, these are the characters, these are all the people, and they're dead. Right. <laughs> it's much, it's a much gentler introduction. And so I don't know if she was going for something very different from her other series, but if she was, I feel like she accomplished it. Yes. I mean, this was incredibly different from her other series, right? Like, yes, yeah. we still have the supernatural element, but it's also kind of modern world, right? They have, they have phones. Right. Yeah. Know? It's an urban fantasy. Right. Which is uh, different, very different from her other works, I feel like. Um, yeah. When, like, the, the entire premise of the story is really different from the other ones, too. Mm -hmm. So it's like a murder mystery plus the Civil War. <laughs> Plus the, I mean, like the, there's the romantic sort of undertones there, but it's not like the main point of the story, which is more like Throne of Glass. In the Throne of Glass yes. series, like the romantic undertones were there with Aelin and Rowan, but that wasn't like the story. With Akatar, that is definitely more, the romantic elements are definitely more prominent. Yes, Akatar is very much more of a romance, whereas I think Throne of Glass and um, Crescent City is um, more heavily plot based. Yeah. I mean, not that there wasn't plot, but that's it was heavy on that. Um, There's a lot of action. Like the the yes. plot is about the action. The plot is not about their. I mean, and their relationships come in. Obviously, that's why we get so attached to the characters. But in Akatar, uh, like the bulk of the story is is spent on like Sarah becoming 
stay and her healing process and the trauma and grief that she experiences and the development of her relationship and a lot of romance. Yes. Yeah. And, and I'm totally fine with that. I'm, I'm fine with this book being more because I mean, I love all of the series. Throne of Glass is the one that I prefer to uh, to Akatar. And I love them both. And I just did a comfort read on Miss and Fury and I'm thinking about doing it again. But I love the way that this author was able to weave the stories in Throne of Glass. Like the storytelling is just brilliant. And I get that same vibe from this story too. Yes, exactly. So I'm really looking for, so with, um... A guitar, there aren't a ton of little hidden things, right? Yeah. Whereas with Throne of Glass, tons. I mean, we see little clues leading to every, you know, all of this stuff leading up to this, like mat, these massive reveals. And I, I got that vibe too from this book that this is closer to that Throne of Glass mm -hmm. um, sort of thing. So I was like really looking for like anything that could be, you know, like a crumb. That'll come up yes. later in the series, yes. you know, or even within this book and that. So what I like about as a single book, I think this is one of the best that Sarah J. Mass has written mm -hmm. just because all of those little crumbs that you mentioned, um, it takes and this is very clever the way that she does it in Throne of Glass. So it takes like to get to the entire end of the series for some of those crumbs to come back in. And so what I love about this is that she was able to front load this book with a lot of those crumbs. And then at the end, it's like, oh my gosh, they're all right here. Like, yes, it was incredible, but it took me reading it a second time for me to be like, oh my gosh, it's all right here. Because by the time I got through it in the first round, I was like, I don't even remember what happened at the beginning of this book. I was so overwhelmed with information. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And so what I what I love about rereading books, and we've talked about this before, when you reread a good book, especially a Sarah J. Mass book, you're able to pick up on all of those little details. Yes. Like read on even even on a third read, like you still catch things that you didn't catch before. And so what I loved about reading this for the second time was that I knew sort of the broad strokes of what was gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And so because in the first read, I spent so much time just trying to process and absorb the information, I think it impaired my ability to really appreciate what was happening in the story and with the characters. And so on the second read, like I knew the broad strokes. And so I could just like appreciate the way that the characters were feeling in the moment. And because of that, reading it the second time was way more emotional for me than the first read. Mm. Like from the last yeah. 150 to 200 pages, I was just like crying in every chapter because you know more about the characters at that point. You, on the second read, I'm not just trying to remember literally what happened. Yeah, I think I think on the first read, you're taken aback by all of these like major twists, all of this being like thrown at you all at once. 
that then to also have like these emotional connections with characters it's hard to kind of do both right we're so on the second read you are more connected to the characters mm-hmm. and that you get more of that emotional impact mm-hmm. from it from everything going on yes yeah um one of the things I also found interesting about this is there's so much mythology and like lore in this book like just plays <laughs> off of it right so Midgard like straight out of Norse mythology it is like mm-hmm. a midway point right it's supposed to be a midway point between different realms and we get we also get a bunch of references to separate realms and separate planets and stuff mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. mm, what's going to happen there and yeah. it kind of seems like that this world is kind of the focal point like the middle part of it which would make sense with Midgard um we've got a bunch of Greek names there's like Asphodel Meadows Meadows. um I I think Fury is actually supposed to be representative of a Fury right yeah Juniper was a fertility goddess right we got a ton of different like um a ton of different mythology and lore all coming together there yeah. So, um, Luna's temple really heavily reminds me of Artemis, and um, the the temple is uh, like Luna is described as having no lover. Her symbol was the moon. She has a quiver of silver arrows. They sacrifice stags to her. Very heavy Greek mythology influence there. Plus, we get uh, like even Rune's name. So, in Irish mythology, the Fae are called the Tuatha De Danann. Um, and Rune's last name, the Fae Prince, is Danan. Like, that's that's literally what they're called. Um, we also get some references to, like, Christian influence here as well. So, like, the fallen angels. One of them is crucified in this story. Um, mm-hmm. They wear thorn thorny crowns as part of their tattoo for their enslavement. Like, yep. There's, there, and I, I love all of that stuff. You do, too. We, I mean, we've talked about our love of Greek mythology um mm-hmm. you know like how you enter the Greek mythology phase when you're in high school and you never really leave right <laughs> it's true so I don't you never left <laughs> yeah yes yeah. so it just stayed in this phase and now read smut featuring it so. <laughs> well yeah yeah, but I yeah. love it. I mean, it's just, it's very clever the way that she's able to pull from all of these other mythologies and weave them <laughs> into the story. Yeah. So I love the cover for this book. It is yes. gorgeous. It's very like visually arresting uh, with that white background and then the red column in the middle and the big crescent moon in the center of it. It's a contrasting color. And um, there are all of these little things hidden in, there's like a viper and there's this other, like it's um, cat, the art is captivating. It's really pretty. You know, I haven't looked that like that much at the cover like that. Oh, really? <laughs> really? There's I just like, kind of glance at it. Hold on. So now I have to. Uh, there's critters hidden in it. There, apparently there's a unicorn in there. I haven't seen the unicorn. Really? There's a snake at the bottom. There's a viper at the bottom. Her, like her heart, it's like a key hole. That's, I, I guess I need to look more at the covers. Hold on. Well, let's see House of um, the next one. Yeah. So, and it it's because of this author that I tried to look through stuff like that because she is so 
sneaky and clever hiding things yes she and is she's just brilliant i love her she makes me think she makes me think so hard when i read her books and everything seems like a connection and i feel like that's something that's i feel like that's a really great and unique trait for an author to have because it yes it's a story but it's more than just a story she's leaving you these clues mm -hmm. and it's like well can you put can you piece it together and then that makes it fun to theorize too. So like even with um, Sky and Breath, the cover, like that she released it a few months ago and everyone was speculating, okay, well, this looks like Hunt on the cover. So what does this mean? Mm -hmm. Is the book more focused on him? So I started the next book and I think I know what that key is to the, in the heart. Ooh, don't tell. I will not. What was like your first impression of Bryce? To be honest, I did not love her. Mm -hmm. what about you I was frustrated with her at the beginning right mm -hmm. um it's not that I necessarily didn't like her and then I kind of had to work against like my own biases with her because I was like stupid decision you know? yeah and that's what's hard she goes to a club uses multiple types of drugs and starts drinking and in our world you're setting yourself up for assault in that situation so it was very hard for me to separate the way that we have to live our lives as humans in this world from I mean maybe the risks are not the same for people like this it we're in Midgard yeah also as a person who has people who struggle with like drug and alcohol addiction in their family it is hard for me to read stories like that and not instantly be kind of on guard Right. Yeah. So at the beginning, and then I felt bad because I came up with this whole, oh, there's nothing wrong with being a party girl. But I was like, uh, you know, and I know later on the wolves um, taunt her and stuff. But yes. like, yeah. See, and that, yeah. And that's hard. Like, she's right. There's not anything wrong with being a party girl if you're doing it safely. Right. And I don't know what their drugs are like, but when you use multiple types of drugs in our world, the results are frequently unfavorable and you're mixing them with alcohol. Like, and she's with her friends and one of them is an assassin and I totally like, I get it, but she, then she's also like walking home by herself. I'm like, um, yeah, that's not what you do on earth. Yeah. So that's hard to read. And, and I Regarding the pet and like she has casual sex in a bathroom and like I don't there's nothing wrong with doing those things. Um she the way that she's treated by the pack after everything happens is horrible. I don't know if we want to talk about that now or save it for when we actually get to that point. Um she makes that point. There's nothing wrong with being a party girl, and she is absolutely right. It's just filtering that through the way that we have to live is difficult right does that make sense yes because I agree with you I agree with you as well I was just like because there is nothing wrong with being a party girl but the problem was is that like with this it seemed so dangerous what she was doing and I was cringing for her mm -hmm. you know while I was reading this I was like come on like I was like I know you're gonna do this but like oh I'm just cringing and I know she feels safe and everything with her friends which is great you know like theories of you know assassins Assassin. and stuff you know, and everyone's scared of her. So I, but yeah, it was just nerve wracking kind of, and just me mm -hmm. wanting to like, if it would have been like any, like if it had been a friend of mine or something, I would have been like, why are you doing that? Like, stop. 
Yes. Like, why didn't you take an Uber home? I mean, yeah. <laughs> why are you walking in the dark while you're intoxicated? Yeah. Like, ugh, this girl. <laughs> and so I obviously girl to like her way more um, as the book goes oh, on. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, so that's good. Mm-hmm. I will say Danica reminded me a little bit of Aylin. Mm. So because of the other books, I kind of look for ways that I can make connections um, mm. to those other stories. And Danica is like kick ass, save everybody, advocate for everyone, arrest terrorists vibe. And also like she's got the blonde hair and she's rebellious and all of those things. So just all of those things reminded me a little bit of Aileen and her personality from Throne of Glass. Yes. Oh yeah, I could see that. Definitely. Um, you know, so when her character gets introduced, you know, she lists up um, all these great attributes, how she's an amazing leader, how she like may eventually become one day like the alpha of all of wolves, right? All of yeah. the wolves everywhere sort of thing. And what, on my first read, I was excited to see all this happen because I didn't know she was like killed, you know, 50 pages mm-hmm. later. Uh, so it was really um sad obviously yeah <laughs> but like so it reminded me a little bit of this might sound stupid but I've been re-watching uh Bojack Horseman right and there's this really um good episode it's called Free Churro right and he gives a eulogy at his mom's funeral and he didn't have a good relationship with either of his parents but he mentions that despite that he was still incredibly sad when they died because it represented the loss of what could have been as well like there was always the hope of still having something and for some reason when I read this when I read this like it hit me so hard with that like I was like this is this is the loss of what could have been she could have been amazing she could have made all of these amazing changes and everything so it made me think of that episode because I was just it's like yeah that's what I'm you know obviously I'm sad about the character being dead but and her that but the loss of all of that potential too. Yeah. And what it means for the wolves moving forward too, because now they've got Sabine as their awfulness. Mm-hmm. So I think this is the second time you reference Bojack Horseman. I've never watched that show, but it, it clearly pulls in some deep things for you. Um, it does. Well, it the show gets so much better as it goes on. And it does, especially I think like in the last season, it touches on so much stuff. Like that sounds like a lot of deep topics. Like you get um so grief. There's a really um I don't remember the name of the episode. Shoot. Oh, halfway down. Mm-hmm. which is a really good episode yeah it's just I've also been re-watching it and because so much of it is like just kind of deep but in like a funny way I can like I just relate it to some of the stuff I've been reading yeah but you should watch it because it's really good something else that I so I agree with you on your statement about how 
the loss of potential, I mean, is hurtful as well. I think, and a lot of times you see that, you feel that when people who are younger pass away too, just because they, like, they had their whole lives ahead of them. That's the thing that gets said a lot. And so that loss of all of the things that they could have been or done is hard. But I also think part of what makes her death so, and the death of the, the pack of devils so hard is that they, the way that they are killed is awful. They yeah. are shredded. They are torn into pieces. And so it, it's hard because you know that that is an awful death, right? It's not like quietly passing in your sleep or something like that. Um, it's, it is a brutal, terrible way to die, um, which I think definitely makes the pain worse. And then on top of that, like they have recording of Danica's screams and begging um, as she is dying. And that audio was then released, I think, which makes it worse because then it sounds like she died without honor. She died not being, I don't know, brave, which is absurd, but they're wolves and wolves don't make any sense. So whatever. Um, but there's all of these factors surrounding like the actual way that she died that makes it awful too. Mm -hmm. Ugh, that recording when they play it. Oh my gosh. Especially when they play it to Bryce after all yeah. of this trauma. Like she is visually, visibly in shock being interrogated about the death of her best friend and the rest of her friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like she just lost one friend. She lost all of them mm -hmm. except June and Fury. And so there's that plus, I mean, she's in, she's in shock, visibly in shock. And Victoria is questioning her and she's like, should we just play the recording? And he's like, no, you need some sensitivity training, ma'am. Like, yeah. What are you doing? And, uh, and Hunt is the one that's like, mm, no, she doesn't need to play this. And then he steps in when Victoria and Bryce loses it. Mm -hmm. it, it that scene is awful. It's really hard. I've, so huh, wolves, right? This whole sense yeah. of honor thing. But I, Bryce internalized some of that too because she goes and she trades her soul for Danica to make sure that Danica makes it across. Yeah. Right? Oh, which by the way, that's definitely like Viking war, right? That's more Norse mythology. Yeah. Right? The setting yeah. free on boats. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah. yeah, so this is sort of the start of where we see Bryce um, making these really self-sacrificing behaviors uh, for other people. Mm -hmm. It's almost like she sacrifices her own well-being in some situations to save other people from hurting, right? She, Yeah, she does repeatedly in this yeah. book. She does that for Danica when she trades her place in the afterlife. Mm -hmm. um, she, we discover later in the book that this is the entire reason why she never tells Rune about her powers. It's because she, um, he, uh, 
is very proud of his status as the chosen one. And that's something, not something that she wanted to take away from him because that was the only reason that their father found value in Rune. So she sacrifices all of the things that she could have had and her ability to lord her power over her father for Rune. When Micah takes her to, not Micah, when Hunt takes her to the tower where he lives and where the angels are, um, he is frozen with confronting Sandriel for the first time since he, she owned him basically. And so she um, acts like the ditzy girl taking selfies of an archangel to save him. Um, she pursues this party girl attitude because it makes it easy for other people to hate her. Like this, this is not a healthy behavior, Bryce. <laughs> These are not healthy things that you're doing. Yeah, I, she, it's not. And I, I think like it's admirable. Like you're a, probably a really great friend, but this is not good for you. You are worthy of um, people knowing how great you are. Yes, I, and I think that sort of self-sacrificing and feeling like she's not worthy of anything also comes from how much blame she got when the pack was killed mm -hmm. I mean so first off she would have had survivor's guilt to begin with right yeah. I'm sure she would have had that but on top of that she has people that were like her friends you know who now being awful towards her right um Connor's little brother mm -hmm. um other people and just the um pack and stuff were not nice to her so oh, no, they were horrible too they're horrible um and so i'm sure she, that contributed as well to her feelings yeah. on top of that i know i know she there's fury in june right yeah but they were not really they were not there for her afterwards no Hold on, I want to go back to talking about how the wolves treated her so bad before we okay. talk about how terrible her friends are. So okay. she is vilified by the wolves. So her texts to Danica leak. Danica had been texting her that whole night. She was jealous of her for not, not like hateful jealous, but like joking jealous about her partying without her and things like that. And she is, her texts are later leaked and she is vilified for using drugs and hooking up with a guy in the bathroom. Those don't make you a bad person. Right. They all used drugs. She was not the only one using drugs that night. They all partied together. So her use of drugs that night had nothing to do with Danica's outcome. If she hadn't been out partying, she would have been killed too. So the fact that she and the wool, I, there was nothing that she could have done. If she had been present when Danica was killed, there she would have been killed too. There was nothing she could have done to save these incredibly capable and strong wolf shifters. But the wolves who remain the absolute worst were determined to make her the villain in this situation because Danica's mom didn't like her. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. And because Bryce agreed to go on a date with Connor. And so she's basically his property then because wolves are the worst with their like territorial horseshit like 
No wonder Bryce resisted getting involved with Connor in the first place. I mean, she agreed to go on a date with him and look what happened to her. Yes. Yeah, it was, it's just awful. And she brings up multiple times this whole alpha hole thing. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons. And she mentions that it comes from the experience that her mother had with her biological father, right? The Autumn King he was awful um and you know she mentions how like they get really overprotective and controlling that sort of stuff so she that one of the reasons she's avoided dating um non-humans i guess was um because of that yeah and then she just agrees to a date and all of a sudden they're basically mated yeah property mm-hmm. property yeah. and that's the wool ethan so connor's brother ethan is really shitty to her uh well she never returns his text which is unfortunate but like i can't the unimaginable grief that she is experiencing like okay i think she gets some leeway to not return text but then he shames her for having sex with someone in a bathroom after she agreed to go on a date with him because of their wolf customs like she she is not a wolf Bryce is half bay. Mm-hmm. She's not beholden to your rules. And having casual sex with strangers in bathrooms doesn't make you a bad person. Yeah. Uh, I just get so, at any time the wolves come up, I get so pissed off. What is it? About, I mean, in every story that we read that has wolves, there have been like two where they're not awful. Why is this the thing? Why are wolves across the entire fantasy genre awful? Can't, I don't know. For some reason, somewhere along the way, somebody just decided this is canon. Wolves are awful. Wolves are awful. Angels are dickheads. Like, <laughs> yep. And demons are great. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. There, they got that bad boy thing going for them. <laughs> now I'm ready to talk about her crappy friends. Let's go. Right. Okay. So Danica, her very best friend, her ride or die sort of person, right, is brutally murdered. Mm-hmm. Fury, who had been one of her best friends, has gone no contact with her directly mm-hmm. after. And Juniper, who is also one of her best friends, has gone extremely low contact mm-hmm. with her. So she had like no support system. Nope. And that oh, makes me so frustrated. Mm. Yep. But we've um Fury is still in contact with Juniper, and we do find out later on that they're in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Fine. But yeah, like they still basically completely cut Bryce out. You know, they mm-hmm. didn't have to tell Bryce about their relationship or anything like that, but it's just awful. Yep. They were not good friends. No, this is what we call bare minimum friendship. Mm-hmm. The bare minimum. They maintain, so Fury maintains no contact. Bryce calls her and messages her repeatedly and doesn't hear from her for like two years, right? Yeah. Until like shit absolutely hits the fan, she does not hear from her. Okay. Um, so she does hear from June periodically. And Juniper does happen to show up when Bruce is, Bryce, Bruce, (laughs) when 
Juniper does happen to show up uh, when Bryce is considering jumping off of her building. Mm -hmm. And so there is that. She at least is slightly above like bare minimum friendship. But they suck. They are not good supportive friends. They are not, they just, I get so frustrated. They bail out on her. And then when Juniper does try to like, I don't know, get Bryce to move past her grief. I just get so frustrated at her because she, so Bryce stopped dancing after Danica died because that was the thing that they did together that brought her joy. And Bryce is still grieving so intensely she doesn't want to do things like that that bring her joy like she is languishing in the pain because she doesn't want to enjoy these things that she did with Danica and so Juniper at one point is like why don't you dance anymore I got you set up for this dance class that this person that's really great does and Bryce is like I don't want to go to that like I'm not making any promises I'm not going to go to that and she doesn't and then Juniper texts her later and is pissed off because she didn't show up for the class. And it's like, she told you that she wasn't going to come. This is you pushing your guilt about basically being a crap friend onto Bryce to try to make her feel better, right? Mm -hmm. That's not how grief works. No. You can't make someone go to a dance class because it'll make you feel better. It's, very, it's so frustrating. And then at one point, so Juniper is very like pushy. I mean, she's not like aggressively pushy, but she's like, you should get out. You should go. You should do the things. And Bryce is like, well, you should take a break from your dancing like six days a week and we could hang out. And June is like, no, I know what's best for me. Like it sucks when someone tries to tell you how to live your life, doesn't it, Juniper? Yeah. And I feel that... Bryce would have just done better instead of being pushed to do things that she used to like just having her friends around her and hang out like just yeah. having June come over and watch a dumb movie or something like that you know just that would present for her yes instead of pushing her to do things that she doesn't want to do like it was very frustrating and it was frustrating to me as well that Bryce didn't seem to realize that mm -hmm. either about her friends She's no. like, they're my best friends. They're my friends. Like, I think she felt it a little more with Fury, right? She was upset at Fury. But yeah. with June, I don't think she she really thought that. No. I didn't get that vibe. And I was just... No. I mean, she threw her body over Juniper's during a bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, we get this self-sacrificing thing from Bryce, which, okay, but like June is immortal. She could have thrown herself over you, her immortal, her mortal friend. I mean, oh, um, I think June kind of in my mind, um, redeems herself a tiny bit towards that, the end just as a person, right? Because I did not like her and didn't because of this, no. right? But yeah. she makes a point to try to convince people to hold those doors open for longer. Yeah. Despite those people being, you know, no, close it. We don't want to be right, killed yeah. by demons. You know, she, she does do that because you just, like, you know how you just mentioned the whole Bob and Bryce threw her body over Juniper. I didn't feel like Juniper would do that for Bryce. 
you know so i feel like a little bit towards that end where she is kind of putting herself in danger that way like Mm -hmm. but still she's not a good friend neither she's not fury is a terrible friend like fury's character i'm very curious about her because she sounds amazing like she's an assassin she wears all black she got a cool haircut like she is so high up in terms of awesomeness that even the governor micah was like yeah let's not kill her i changed my mind like she's amazing so i'm very curious about her character she sounds really cool but as a friend she sucks yep bare minimum friendship and she goes through this like uh well if i was your friend you would get hurt people who get close to me get hurt well okay Uh but you stayed close to juniper Mm mm-hmm and then she talks about how she's got her own issues that she's been working through with Juniper. Your partner is not your therapist. Go to an actual counselor. Mm-hmm. I think the best friend to Bryce in this book is Bahaba. Yeah. She's and Rune. Rune tries to be a good friend to her. That's true. Yes. Rune Despite and- being rejected so many times. He continues to try. Yes. Yeah. I know. I was, I, I really like Broom. Um, he's great. And I do love that about him that even though Bryce repeatedly pushes him away, right? He knows that he messed up. Yeah. He called her names and was mean to her, right? But he's still trying. He's still trying to make amends. He's there to protect her when, if she needs it. He's there for her. He tries to be there. Like, I think after Danica died, right, he would have been, you know, if Bryce had been able to forgive him, mm-hmm. I think he would have been a great support system for her. He 100% would have been there. So, yeah. Yeah. I like him. A lot. I agree. I mean, I think, I think he did what he was able to do to try to support her after. Danica's death Mm -hmm. but like just so much damage had been done after their fight and Bryce I mean I know I didn't love Bryce in the very start but at the very beginning but um I end up loving her character but she is super stubborn yes and even her bio dad the autumn king says your mom never forgave anybody and that bryce kind of gives that vibe off too in this situation with rune as well but i also think that part of her response to rune is bryce trying to protect herself from being hurt mm-hmm. yes well because she had been close to rune for a couple of years right yeah um so that hurt her when he said but yeah all of that that really hurt her and I think she realized that she didn't want to feel that way again so keep pushing him away she won't be able to get hurt by him mm-hmm. so when Bryce leaves the apartment um to go party right she says goodbye to Danica and Danica tells her that she loves her she was like okay bye I love you Bryce explains that she had always been taught to before anyone leaves who you care about you always say i love you in case it's the last goodbye right in case something happens mm-hmm. you know and i was taught this too which i think is very interesting my mom was always like nope you say goodbye i love you kiss on the cheek whatever before you go because you don't know if you'll see them again right right you really don't 
you have no idea yeah. what would happen between now and the next time you'll see them so i felt i could relate to that when that yeah. happened it was a relatable moment yeah and i'm like that too i don't i don't leave until i've said goodbye until i've you know i don't leave my apartment tito will sometimes leave and i'm like chasing after him like no yeah you have to give me a kiss goodbye <laughs> Yeah. That's not how this works. Let's go. You have to kiss me. Yeah. So. Yeah. We do that in my family too. My brother Casey, when he was a teenager and he would go out places, he would say, Bye, love you, see ya. Mm -hmm. Um, and so now we all say that. And my dad has it tattooed on his arm for Casey's like memorial tattoo. And it was inscribed on Casey's urn. And my nephews say it now. Like it's just it's that's something that my family says. I love you, see ya. So I get that. We do the same thing. I love that. I love uh, that you do that and it came from your brother and you have that yeah. passed down now. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just our thing. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, real quick, did you notice the names of the sections in this book? You know what I didn't? So we have the hollow, the trench, the canyon and the ravine. They're the all the um hell. The because the pit is sorry to ruin a little bit. That's in the next one. Oh. I think they're the like layers of hell. Oh, the layers of hell. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. It was like these are all just holes. <laughs> <laughs> these are all just holes in the ground. Like, what is this? <laughs> no, because yeah, one of the chapters in the next book is I actually don't even think I've gotten to it but the one of the next section is the pit and I oh there you go we just made the connection so yeah that, I think that's all the the layers of hell so that means that's definitely going to get worked in way more I think we didn't realize that it's just like whatever <laughs> not really looking at the names um oh. yeah okay maybe we'll spend well, there we some, go. maybe we'll spend some time in hell maybe so find us a find us a hot demon <laughs> that's what we're always looking for is a hot demon yeah 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 might have a tail might have some wings yeah. i don't know what you're gonna get i mean i'll take the tail you take the wings okay <laughs> there we go okay so let's do the time warp we yes. jump ahead two years bryce has kind of like cobbled her life together um she lives in an apartment that Danica willed to her. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, it's just kind of like going through the motions of living her life, basically. Right? Right. And then Hunt, who met her two years ago, is reintroduced. And I forgot what a dick he was. Me too. <laughs> I was, it, I knew eventually I had to get on board with him, right? Because well, that's what happens. And I was like, oh, you suck. You're so judgy. Like, oh, she's just a party girl that lives in a rich apartment and looks nice, I guess. And I'm like, um, okay, judgy McJudge pants. Mm -hmm. Somebody is like, I don't know, bent on being a grump. Ah, yeah. And then he, so 
he like later on double down doubles down on it mm-hmm. right so she agrees to work with him to help solve these murders which okay i have thoughts about that we'll talk about it in a second um but so there's another murder and bryce goes with him to the scene and she responds like a normal person would to a body that's been shredded apart like face pale gets a little bit sick and he thinks like oh no i shouldn't have brought her to this this is really bad and rune calls him out on it and he doubles down on being a dick he's like she's an adult she was warned like sir you know better than this (laughs) yes i love rune being there for for her by the way um he just shows up for her without her like asking or even really wanting to be him to be there he he continuously shows up for her like he tried he tries through this entire book to atone for and to support her despite their falling out that's frustrating at first yes um so let's talk about how weird and terrible this police department is right so the 33rd the 33rd whatever it's like the angelic police department I don't know anyway um I love every single time Bryce gives Hunt shit and calls him out in his department out for being incapable um they show up at her work and are like you're gonna help us solve this case like what kind of crappy police department lets civilians do all their work what this isn't a thing even her boss is like um are things oh yeah this is what she says is your 33rd so incompetent these days that you truly need my assistance help that's what jessica says to them like i mean they are yeah they are and then there, all of these other things come out and obviously some of it was a cover-up but like they did not do due diligence on this this case when it happened and obviously it's because micah was covering all of the things up um mm-hmm. But like, even as the case is going on, so she finds out about Maximus Tertian, the guy who was killed, she finds about out about him from his girlfriend, right? Mm-hmm. She swings a visit to the Viper Queen and Bryce is like, well, we have to go through the channels and do this. And she just like makes it happen. She gets the audio from the night that the horn was stolen, tested and discovers that Sabine had like swapped the audio out. She gets the scent tested from like, they do the special extra testing or whatever from the night the horn went missing and from Danica clothes. Like, I mean, did y'all even try to do your job? No, they didn't. <laughs> like they barely did. Yeah. They just wrote it off. Yeah. Cause the easiest yeah. thing was to blame it on Briggs, right? Yeah, yes, yeah. The terrorist is the one that made all of this happen, mm-hmm. right? So do the, the bare minimum to investigate it. Um, I love how confident Bryce is, though, in this situation. And I love how like assertive she is about what she's capable of doing. She says to Hunt, I'm sorry if your fragile ego can't handle that I know what, the, what I'm talking. What does it say? I'm sorry if your fragile ego can't handle that I know what I'm fucking doing. Like, because again with his judgmentalness like oh she went to get her nails done 
mm-hmm. in the middle of this, leaving me out in the rain or whatever. Like, yeah, because it was his girlfriend who mm-hmm. does nails. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating, but I love how capable Bryce is. Yes, I do too. I love that it just kind of sneaks up on you. I don't think it really sneaks up on the reader, right? Because we know that she's more capable than she lets on. Mm-hmm. But it definitely sneaks up on Hunt. And I like seeing him kind of have mm-hmm. to eat his own words, sort of, you know? Yes, I love that. When they go to that club and he takes a drink of her glass thinking it's like vodka or whatever alcohol these people drink. He's like, this is water. I know. He's like, yeah, I haven't had a drink in two years, you judgmental prick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then with her apartment, he thinks she's got like lots of money or something, which I don't know why he thinks that, but she's like, yeah, I didn't buy this. Danica willed it to me. So. Mm-hmm. And then with her pet, right, clearly oh, yeah. a designer and he assumes that she bought it, but really she just. And while she did, she's in debt for it, right? She's in debt to Jessica. Yeah. I want to know how this process with the debt works because he was, so first of all, how is it that a Chimera costs more than a Sprite? Like what is the pricing system here? Because Lahaba was enslaved and to buy her out, it was going to be like 90,000 gold marks, but Syrinx was worth 235,000 gold marks. So what makes him worth that much more than Lahaba? And also, like, what what is the credit process here where she's in debt? How long is she indebted to Jessa before to pay off this cat thing, Camara? Yeah. I don't know. Forever. How does this <laughs> work? Like, I know they live for an extended period of time, but, I mean, how, how, long, how long are you going to be in debt for? Are you accruing interest on this? What is the payment plan set up? Student loans have ruined my life. I think about stuff like this all the time now because of my student loans. Um, When she, so at the end, when she like offers to buy Hunt for 97 million gold marks, I'm like, girl, how long are you going to be in debt for? Forever. That's a lot. Will you even Mm -hmm. be able to pay that off in your lifetime? How much do you make? Like, yeah. Well, in terms of why, like, the system as to why um, her cat like thing was more expensive, I think it's probably because it's rarer than a fire sprite, right? Mm-hmm. It has magic of its own that you don't really know about. It mm-hmm. definitely shows more of a status, I think, than a fire sprite would. Right? Like, look at me. I have this fancy designer pet. Oh, yeah. You know? So I think that's what people would be paying for, more of the, like, status of having a fancy pet. Hmm. I wasn't, I, like I said, the first time I read this book, I was just really trying to process all of the information that I was taking in. This second time around, I really paid attention to, like, how terrible this world is to people who are not the near, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the lowers or the lessers or whatever they called them, like people who are mixed blood, um, who would agree to be governed by these people? They're awful. No wonder the humans are rebelling. Yeah. Yep. 
you're just very casual about slavery all of a sudden. Okay, N no. Danica talks that not Danica Bryce talks about the humans that are like standing in line for rations because they're starving. Um, after Hunt led the rebellion against the archangels, Lahaba tells us that every fire sprite that was born from that point forward is automatically enslaved. Mm -hmm. It's awful. It is. So I'm, I'm team rebellion over here. I oh, hope yeah. that's where we're going. Like, let's have a civil war. Oh, yeah. And I'm always for a good rebellion. <laughs> you love the chaos. <laughs> uh-huh. Let's take down the, the <laughs> I don't know, take down the oppressive system that is this republic. Dismantle the government. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was able to really pay attention to that this time around, and I didn't realize how bad life was for these people until this go. I mean, the so it's repeatedly brought up the that um, Bryce is like a half breed. That's not that's the hateful way to to describe them, but it's brought up several times that she's half bay and half human. And first of all, like humans are the lowest of the low, right? But they call her like a half breed slut. Um, it's repeatedly mentioned that Danica was concerned about her being weak and it's just so, I don't know, elitist sounding and ugh. yeah. So um, it kind of frustrated me that Fury mentioned how, oh, Danica was always looking for ways to protect, um, rice. Thank you. <laughs> For a second. When she knows what Bryce can do. Yeah. You know, it felt kind of insulting the way Fury said it. Right. And it was just I mean, Yeah, I could see that too. So I don't I mean, I guess she she's partially fey. Like she's gonna be immortal. She's gonna make the drop. That will make her basically really hard to kill. I don't understand why. Fury perceived Danica as having to be Bryce's savior also because of who Bryce was. So uh, the stories about Bryce's parents, basically like Ember and her dad, Randall. Randall has prepared her very thoroughly to take care of herself. Not only that, but Bryce, while on drugs, ran out of her house without shoes and a table leg to take down a demon. Like she is very capable of protecting herself. Now, mm -hmm. is she... A magical wolf shifter no but she's still amazing yep. yeah yeah that was frustrating and kind of like you can still assemble and shoot a gun without looking at it like she's very capable mm -hmm. um i just think yeah i just think that really kind of speaks to fury not really understanding um bryce's friendship with danica Especially because we know that Bryce end up, ends up being the one that saves Danica. Um, we find that out at the end of the book when they were attacked by the ass shifters while they were trying to free all of those animals. Um, I think that Bryce was really the only person that understood Danica. Yes. And Danica was really the only person 
that understood Bryce. Mm -hmm. Danica did keep a lot of secrets from Bryce. Yeah. But she, it, I think it wasn't because she didn't trust her or anything. And plus she did end up looping her into it basically from her yeah. actions that, you know, she made her the horn. She knew what that would mean. She left the, um, I'm got the hard drive, not hard drive. Yeah. The, the flash stick, drive. The flash drive. Yeah. Thank you. The flash drive in the jacket for Bryce. She specifically labeled one of those things in her email about, you know, for Bryce, right? So yeah. get Bryce's time. Like, so I don't think yeah. it was necessarily about not thinking Bryce was capable. Yeah. Or anything like that, because clearly she thought she was. She gave her all of this stuff, all of these materials, um, yeah. all this information. Yeah. I just think it was more about not wanting to get Bryce involved with things that were not necessary. Like, that's, this is not her job, right? right? Like, Danica's job, she works for the Ox. Like, this, this is what she does. And what she would continue to do is like the front, like that, that is her job. It's not Danica's job or Bryce's job. And so I don't think she kept secrets from her to be malicious or because she didn't trust her. I think when she kept secrets from her, it's because those were not things that Danica, Bryce needed to know at that time. Right. Because Danica was handling it because that was her job to do those things. Um, and I think that she ended up pulling Bryce in when she realized that her job might be threatened. And these were still things that she cared about and she knew Bryce would care about. And if they went unfinished, the consequences could be dire, right? And in and, and part, I mean, it involved Bryce as well. So I don't think that she kept secrets from her from a place of not trusting her. I think she was trying to protect her. And I think that because they, so I think that people were really quick to write Danica off as just being like a drug abusing party girl. Um, yes. But even, I think as Isaiah mentions this at the beginning of the book, like Bryce only had one infraction on her record and Danica had a host of them up until she met Bryce. And Sabine is really quick to vilify Bryce and talk about how she's basically ruined her daughter and it's her fault that Danica is dead. But because of her influence and her um, relationship and friendship with Bryce, I think that she made Danica a better person and held her more accountable for things because she stopped getting into so much trouble after they became friends. Yes. And so... While Danica did keep all of these secrets, I think that Bryce knew her very well. And I think that she was the only one that really considered that maybe Danica was doing all of the things that she did for a good reason. And not just because she was a party girl that wanted to steal the horn and do drugs just for funsies. Mm -hmm. Even when Hunt, so even around page 598, when Hunt is busted, in that drug deal and he's like Danica was on drugs and she was doing all of this and Bryce doesn't really accept it I question whether she really actually accepted that Danica did all of the things that they were saying had to have been her fault if she, uh, her faith I guess in Danica was probably really shaken definitely was mm -hmm. throughout this whole book because she's finding out all of these things that were kept from her 
again, not from a malicious sort of standpoint or because she didn't think Bryce could necessarily handle it or anything like that, you know, that Bryce wasn't capable of handling it. But there was so much going on that Bryce realized it's possible. You know, like she, you know, she didn't know Danica as well as she thought. Mm -hmm. And now she sees Hunt making this drug deal too, right? And she's kind of I think maybe thinking she was fooled again sort of yeah and I forgot so I didn't forget the whole drug bust thing but I forgot that um that was how Danica and the pack died you know yeah because they were injected with or because she specifically was injected with synth by Micah yeah you know so for me that was another big room so when it happened right so when on that boat scene right he's all like oh because Danica took it for fun I was like really like oh shit that's how it happened and then there was another twist and I was like oh yeah (laughs) that's right yeah yeah so it was at that point in the book that I felt like they started trying to sell the idea that Danica was a drug user a little too hard Mm -hmm. because right after so right before this is when Bryce discovers the flash drive that has the videos of the people who've been injected with synth or the girl the woman who was injected with synth and her literally ripping people to shreds before ripping herself apart like Danica was not an idiot I don't think that she would take a drug that would cause her to shred herself yeah she knew what the the side effect of this was like what I mean and I guess like I don't know Danica was a smart person Mm-hmm. she's very smart yeah like no one with any rational capability would be like oh yeah I know this may cost me to shred myself and all of the people that I love but I'm gonna use this anyway for fun let's talk about rune yes let's talk about rune so when I think of rune I think of a rebellious brat boy Mm-hmm. very much what so 75 year old male still has a beer pong table in their house and cuts their hair to annoy their dad I mean like in fey years he's still a teenager <laughs> okay but still <laughs> I <laughs> I mean he's just like high in his rooms listening to music at one point and I'm like all right you are a frat boy. Yes, he is. <laughs> but um, I really like him, though. I really like Rune. And I like his friends, too. So Tristan Flynn and Declan Emmett. I really, I like him and I like his friends. I mean, they're ridiculous, but they're kind of responsible. They, I mean, Declan has got all of his tech magic and um, they're both Tristan and um, what's his name? Rune are in charge of like their division of the ox which makes them important somehow I feel like um I feel like Rune still really wants his dad's approval the autumn king Mm -hmm. and I that makes me sad for him because he will never get it like he will never be enough for the autumn king um but so I know you say you kind of like a frat boy I just I do I forget that he's 75 years old (laughs) Because he acts more like, you know, in his 20s. Yeah, like a human 20-something. Yeah. I wonder what 
like the conversion rate is between no, how no, no. like yeah. in human years how old is he right yeah I think that so he's got like the light of the star born in him like it's just like a little glimmer and he's very proud of that that gives him his chosen one status and he was able to pull the star sword or whatever it is out of the stone which is very like I forget King, the story King Arthur yeah very King Arthur um and so he's got all of these cool things about him but I'm really curious about his the powers that he inherited from his mom so he can like manipulate shadows and he talks about how his mom's relatives are dicks basically but um he's got all of these other abilities too and I wonder how so he can like manipulate shadows and he has a little bit of light but we find out later that um Bryce really uh inherited the bulk of the, like the light the star the starborn abilities and so I wonder if that balance of like shadows and light is going to be something that comes into play later mm -hmm. I think it will I definitely think it's going to come in um later I think it's important because especially because his light is so small right mm -hmm. in terms of that like he uses it just a little bit and he gets a really bad headache so and also let's not forget he has telepathy oh that's right he has that telepathy mm -hmm. ability too mm -hmm. so I yeah so I think even though he may not have like a ton of light and I think the shadows are going to be where he really excels he's super powerful mm -hmm. he's got lots of cool abilities he's got lots of cool friends who have you know powerful abilities I think it's Declan who's a healer right mm -hmm. I love we've talked about this a little bit but Rune definitely falls in with that protector role very well just in his job working on the, the ox but also um in like being the protective over protective older brother for Bryce even though it frustrates her and she doesn't want that from him because of the hurt that he had or that he caused for her in the past like even though she resists it he still tries to step in and be that protective person for you like offers to move in with her and all of these things um mm -hmm. and I just like that for him like you said like with his emotions and stuff he's kind of more in touch with them mm -hmm. which I I like as well yeah and we actually see more of that in the next book oh good mm -hmm. love that mm -hmm. you know what he reminds me most of though um Dorian oh really mm -hmm. oh I love that I love Dorian yeah he, he reminds me of Dorian yeah but without all the bitterness so far let's see what happens uh when rune has that first meeting with his dad his dad's like um you need to think about getting married and rune's like excuse you mm -hmm. uh i don't think so and his dad's like yeah we'll arrange it with the new queen of the the witches or what i forget what they are she's the queen of the witches right yeah Hypaxia. yeah and rune's like mm, pass I think I'm good, but he ends up like being into the queen of the witches anyway. Mm -hmm. So Hypaxia is like, so Hypaxia is the new queen of the witches after her mom Hecuba died. 
Um, and she is masquerading as just a just like a, a casual little med witch, you know, just working in her sister's clinic because she wants to see what real life is like. And Rune meets her and he's like, hello, ma'am. Yeah. Yep. But she has no interest in him. No. Meet at the summit. And she's like, no. No, thank you. She's like, like, yeah. Those. I'm not looking to get married right now, but thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I like her a lot. I do too. I really hope that we see more from her. I love how, so I feel like she gives off rebel sympathizer vibes. Uh, definitely. I mean, she yeah. takes the, what's the, um, the tattoo the, off of, um, Hunt's Hunt head. Yeah. So he can unleash his power and it's like, ma'am, you are team rebel as well. Oh yeah. She is very much team rebel. Yep. Yeah. I love her. I want more from her. She's a very interesting, and she's also just like, so she just seems like a good, like med, med witch as well. Like she, mm-hmm. um, she is the one that removes the crystallis venom from Bryce's leg. Um, and then like, she's just a genius and comes up with an antidote for the venom, um, or for the scent with it like it's just she's just very clever I that scene where she gets the venom out of um Bryce's leg though oh my gosh like I felt the pain yeah it was really intense yeah um but I love that scene so at this point uh Bryce and Hunt are like friends like they've gotten closer and I love that scene because Bryce's or because Hunt is so supportive, like he's there with her and he's trying to comfort her and he's telling her the story of the first time that he met her. And it's just, it's a good scene for the development of their friendship or relationship. Um, but it was certainly, I mean, her leg is like cut open. Deep too, because it's like to the bone. Yeah. Oof. Mm. Yeah, I would have passed out, as we know. Yeah. I am not good with pain. Mm-hmm. I would 100% passed out, which actually, though, when you think about it, is probably easier in those situations. <laughs> you yeah. just passed out. Yeah. Don't feel the pain. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. Mm-hmm. So, oh, going back a little bit to the Autumn King. at the like, And when he visits her at the very end, he mentions he says this that she's more like him than she realizes and it's mm-hmm. not a good thing and i'm very curious to see how that develops yes i would also like to know more about what that means because mm-hmm. i mean we we just don't get a whole lot of information about the autumn king mm-hmm. so yeah. that could mean anything Right. Also very curious about Rune's message from the Oracle. Yes, he's going to end the royal line. In the royal line, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Bryce blinded the Oracle. Yes. So does that mean like he gets married to Hypaxia and there's not like a, a royal fae line after that? Does it mean that he dies? Yes. The Oracle, the meetings that they all have with the Oracle, because um, Hunt goes to see the Oracle too, yes. and he says, stay well away from Bryce Quinlan. Yeah, 
And he does what not. What does that mean? I don't know. Nope, he doesn't. But so does that mean like, so we know all of the terrible things that happened to Hunt for the rest of this book. Like, is that the end of it? Like, stay away from her. He doesn't. And then he gets like caught, put back in jail, sold back to, or given back to Sandriel, like all of the bad things or more bad things coming for Hunt. I don't know. Like, are you going to kill my man? Because I'm not okay with it. Mm-hmm. Bryce Quinlan. Oh, because that's also interesting about that. Um, Bryce Quinlan uh, specifically mentions that it's actually um, Thea's life. Mm-hmm which is interesting. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, yes, I think Hunt, or I think Athelar's father would have been proud. Yep. Sentimental and, of you, feel free to disagree. You knew, the, um, you knew the male best. What does that mean? Like, does that mean she knew him best because they were related? Were they married? Were they lovers? Were they friends? Like, what is this mm-hmm. connection here? Yep. And then this it doesn't too. have anything to do with why Jessica is no longer involved with the witches and switched to the house of like vampires and whatever. Right. Well, this is also very interesting because she says, don't fuck us over this time, Adis. What was the other time that he screwed them over? Yes. And how long ago was that? And is Jessica right? actually like way older than we think she is? Mm-hmm. I love how he he comes as a white cat form multiple times. I really like that. And what was the, the little um back and forth that she he says, what blinds an oracle? What kind of cat comes to see an oracle? Mm-hmm. Yes. And obviously there's something really significant about Bryce because um Adis has known all about her. And apparently what she's capable of and didn't share it with Jessica. And Jessica is like, why didn't you tell me? And he and Adis is like, well, because I didn't trust you or anybody else. So obviously there's something really significant about um, Bryce's abilities. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Unanswered question. And so part of me wonders if it's all significant or if Sarah J. Mass has done this to throw us off. Right, that's true. Like we're looking too much into it. In Throne of Glass, everything is significant. And so now anytime mm-hmm. I read anything, I'm like, what is she referencing? Is there like <laughs> well, because the other thing is, you know what shows up a lot? Mention of rain. It is insanely rainy all the time, right? And there's a little interaction that's very brief about how changing the weather is illegal, right? Mm-hmm. Is somebody messing with it to make it rainy? And if so, why? Yeah. Hi, friends. Our discussion of House of Earth and Blood ended up being super long. So we've decided to split this episode into two parts. This is the end of part one. We'll release part two on Thursday this week. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. 
You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.